0: Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker.
1: This is an old joke from like elementary school. It's a lifelong favorite. It's three parts. First part, what's the same about an elephant and a grape? I don't know, what? They're both purple, except for the elephant. What did Tarzan say when he saw the elephants coming over the hill? What did he say? Here come the elephants. But what did Jane say when she saw the elephants coming over the hill? I don't know. Here come the grapes. Jane was colorblind. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, And from APM American Public Media, this is The Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party.
0: Our icebreaker this week came from writer Matthew Galloway. His debut novel is called The Metropolis Case.
1: A Pittsburgh homeboy. Good on you, Matthew. Where are you from again? Pittsburgh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And coming up, acclaimed author Bonnie Jo Campbell, Wild West Bulls, We Are in Kansas Anymore, First Class Babies, and A Little Blue
1: House. But first, small talk. Mm. So, Brendan, lots of slip-ups in the headlines this week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's hear them. Well, while announcing her candidacy for president, you may have heard Congresswoman Michelle Bachman seemed to mistake the actor John Wayne with the serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Totally common mistake. Yeah. Happens. Uh, John Wayne in a clown suit. <laughs> oh, man. Meanwhile, political commentator Mark Halperin said the president acted like a— uh,
0: 1950s word for a private detective. Exactly. Yeah. I caught that one. I think he's going to have a job next to Juan Williams at Fox within days.
1: Yeah, Yeah. 30 (laughs) seconds is more like it. Yeah. Uh, And finally, Salon Magazine film critic Andrew O'Hare called the new movie Transformers 3, quote, a momentous achievement. Total slip-up. M- major faux pas. Yeah, what is he...
2: <laughs> Couldn't oh,
1: possibly... Wait, wait, wait. He went on to say, uh, you should see it even though it's hateful and empty and preaches the worst kind of reactionary violence without even really meaning
0: There it. you go. Yeah. Happy Fourth of July, America. Anyway, for some <laughs> stories that didn't make the headlines, uh, we turn to our friends
1: at Marketplace. Ethan Lindsay, producer of the Marketplace Morning Report. What story are you going to be talking about on this Fourth of July? I'm actually
3: going to be tweeting with Ashton Kutcher. No, you're not. Really? I'll tweet to him. He has 7 million followers, greater than the population of Ireland. But because he has so many followers, the LAPD is relying on him to get out public service announcements. What What do they want him to tweet? Well, if you're in L.A., you've certainly heard about it. They're calling it Carmageddon. They're shutting down one of the busiest freeways in the country for a whole weekend. And they're asking Twitter celebrities to get out to their followers to not drive that weekend.
1: They couldn't just like get the mayor to talk on television about it?
3: They may be doing all that, but they asked Ashton Kutcher and Lady Gaga and a lot of others to tweet about it. Ashton Kutcher did, but he also wanted the LAPD to forgive him for a traffic violation. He said it was a yellow light.
1: (laughs) Ashton can't afford to pay his own traffic
0: tickets?
3: Uh, Maybe he hasn't gotten the two and a half men check just yet.
0: Radha bead senior producer of Marketplace Morning Report. What story are you going to be talking about? Well, it's Malaysia Airlines, which is defending its brand new policy of banning babies from first class. Wait a second. Don't babies make up most of first class? <laughs> yeah, but these are the tiny ones, not the tall ones in Armani suits. Oh, oh I see. So what happens with rich people with kids? What are they going to do? Well, I got a feeling that I get to babysit the kid when the mother stays in first class. <laughs> That's right, the first last ticket will come with an extra ticket for
1: the nanny and coach. Exactly, the old pair, please. John Haas, editor, what story are you going to be talking about this 4th of July? Two weekends
0: ago, somebody took $400 out of an ATM in the Hamptons.
1: Uh, so?
0: Well, whoever it was left behind their ATM receipt, and it got picked up by a bunch of blogs and websites. And it turns out he has in his savings account $99,864,731 and he had to pay the 250 atm fee.
1: Of course, no one's outside the long arm of bank fees. I'm surprised he allowed his account to dip down below 100 million. <laughs> I think banks in East Hampton will bang you 10 bucks a month for that. That's how they get you.
0: And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with
1: it. It's like history is a vast desert surrounding an oasis of liquor. Wow. So it's like life. History. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, first, this history. This
0: happened back in 1884. An American town came up with an unusual tourist attraction. Our
1: friend Michelle Philippi is here with the story.
4: In 1884, Dodge City, Kansas was getting a bad rep. Which is to say, a good rep. See, for years, Dodge was known as the biggest den of sin in the Wild West. Its saloons and brothels raked in cash from grizzled outlaws, but a new breed of law-abiding farmers and ranchers was turning the town almost tame. So to celebrate July 4th, Dodge businessmen decided to lure back outlaws and their wallets with a bloody event that might also appeal to ranchers. The first and arguably only bullfight in U.S. history. It was a national scandal. Newspapers predicted the imported Mexican matadors would be gored to death. Rumors abounded federal attorneys would shut the fight down because it violated U.S. animal cruelty laws, to which Dodge's mayor reportedly said, quote, Dodge City ain't in the U.S. 4,000 people showed up for the fight, three times the town's population, but it was a letdown. No one died, and only one of the bulls actually put up much of a fight. Two years later, Dodge had become a quiet Midwestern town. Today, though, it's back in the sin business. Kansas opened a state-run casino there 18 months ago.
1: So that was the fight in history now it's time for a drink i'm speaking with brent Pieper at a bar called henry's in lawrence today's rollicking town in modern kansas brent what cocktail does that history inspire
5: the drink i've come up with i'm calling the dusty dodge
1: hmm. and the reason being
5: well it's the windiest city in america
1: Really? More than Chicago? Oh, yeah. It stirs up the dust, I guess?
5: Yeah, and, so, and hence my drink uh, is full of dust. Uh, literally? No, not literally. <laughs>
1: why, why don't you take us through what is in this thing?
5: Well, it starts with uh, bullet, rye. Bullet and uh, the uh, frontier aspects were very appropriate. Of course. Follow that with board in homage to all of the uh, spilled blood in Dodge City, human and bovine. I was
1: going to say that was kind of a highfalutin ingredient for diabetes but I, I'll give that one to you. <laughs> and next?
5: Uh, you take the juice from uh, Half of a Lemon, Dash of Bitters, Ginger Beer, and you finish it off with Limonata. Uh, San Pellegrino is what I like.
1: And this is all assembled, as I understand, in some like specific way. Oh, yes
5: this drink needs to be stirred like a tornado and there's no garnish on this drink right we save our garnishes for our salad
1: yeah right that's for wusses
5: right so there's no fireworks which is appropriate as well because the city of dodge recently banned fireworks for this fourth of july
1: oh my god they've gone they've
5: gone full circle yeah
1: they've become so civilized that it's it's ridiculous i know
5: it's just the painful memories i guess of hearing gunshots in the sky
1: And Brendan, there's actually more to that drink. Oh, oh yeah? When you stir it, it looks like pink lemonade with dark stuff at the bottom. Uh So it's like pleasant, modern Dodge concealing its dark past. Uh, Ah, like all men's souls. Really? Is there something you'd like to share? (laughs) No. Just generic folksy wisdom. (laughs) Uh, Folks, you can get our not-so-generic drink recipes at our website. It's dinnerpartydownload.org. Our
0: guest of honor this week is author Bonnie Jo Campbell. Her writing has earned her several awards, including the Pushcart Prize. Uh, Her last book, American Salvage, was nominated for a National Book Award. And she has a new book coming out called Once Upon a River. Uh, Bonnie, thanks for joining us.
3: Hey, it's great to be here.
0: You know, just to give um, our audience a sense of just the beautiful language and to introduce them to the main character, I was wondering if you could just read from the very beginning on page 15.
3: Okay. Okay. The Stark River flowed around the ox bow at Murrayville the way blood flowed through Margot Crane's heart. She rode upstream to see wood ducks, canvasbacks, and osprey, and to search for tiger salamanders in the ferns. She drifted downstream to find painted turtles sunning on fallen logs, and to count the herons in the heronry beside the Murrayville cemetery. She tied up her boat and followed shallow feeder streams to collect crayfish, watercress, and tiny wild strawberries. Her feet were toughened against sharp stones and broken glass. When Margot swam, she swallowed minnows alive and felt the stark river move inside her.
0: And from there, the reader uh, then gets swallowed by Margot's story. She is a powerful, brave, and wild heroine. Can you tell us a little bit more about her?
3: Yes. She's a powerful, wild heroine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you agree uh, Mark- with my adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous adjectives. Thanks. She's a gal who grew up living right on the river in a little house and took to the river very seriously. She, she loves to swim and row. She loves to uh, find what the all the stuff to eat in, out of the river. She enjoys just just being on the water and understanding it and knowing it.
0: We follow her journey up and down that river, but it also her life where she has to grow up very quickly due to certain things that happen with her. Did she have to be a girl?
3: Yeah, she had to be a girl. <laughs> in American literature, we have great young male characters who who travel through the wilderness. And I was very interested in creating a female character, even though that contained some Complications. As a as a realist writer, I had to be realistic about what would happen to a gal on her own.
0: One of her heroes is Annie Oakley, and she, and Margot, the character in the book, is a sharpshooter, as was Annie Oakley. And can you tell me a little bit about that connection? As a writer, uh, kind of which came first?
3: Yeah, it's it's hard to remember. You know, you you think about writing these books, and then you trace the roots of the characters back and back and back, and you find that you were thinking about these characters when you were 12 years old. <laughs> so I have I guess ever since I've been an adult, I have been interested in Annie Oakley because she you know, was a nice Midwestern girl who was really, really good at something. Yeah. When we think about the American shooting sports, we still think of Annie Oakley, which is kind of remarkable. I liked having a female character who was very good at something. Yeah. And that was fun. That was very fun to write. And it was fun to have a character who, though she might not be doing very well in a, how should we say, uh, in a socially acceptable way, she has this skill. And in some way, having this skill and finding a way to take pride in this skill would sort of pull her up.
0: Yeah, she's an, she's an excellent shot, as well as a survivalist. I mean, let's, let's say it, she's a badass. She's
3: a badass, <laughs> she is.
0: Well, look, we have two standard questions on our show. And the first question is, what question, if I was sitting next to you at a dinner party, should I not ask you?
3: Often I'm asked the question, who's my favorite writer? And somehow I panic when I'm asked that question. It goes back to having too many years of schooling because I panic because I think there's a right answer (laughs) and I'm going to get it wrong.
0: (laughs) Um, Our second question is, tell us something we don't know either about you or the world at large.
3: I raise donkeys and I would (laughs) tell you that, okay, I should say not only do I raise donkeys, I love donkeys. I identify with them. Completely and I would like you to know at the dinner party that there are there are three only three equines in the world and those would be donkey, horse, and zebra.
0: Wow and I
3: would tell you and I would tell you after a glass of wine that the male donkey takes a romantic interest in all of the the females of all those species I, I don't think that's anything I didn't know. You didn't know that? You no, already okay. knew that? That a male okay. that a male would be leering at everything
0: in front of him. That I don't know if yeah, that's okay No no I'm teasing. <laughs> that's incredible. So first of all Yeah,
3: and you get and you get Zor you get different creatures. You get mules and hinnies, and you get something called a Zorse. Wait which wait, is wait a, a second. Zebra. You're
0: saying that they not only do they check them out, they actually act upon it?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wait, there's zonkeys can,
3: running around? <laughs> there are zonkeys running around, <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: Henry Bonnie Joe went on to say that she spoils the donkeys she raises yeah. as a form of historical restitution for all the work their kind have done over the years. What a sensitive woman. That's so nice of her.
1: <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. So she, like, carries them down a mountain on her back? <laughs> exactly. Is that the idea? Straight to a hot tub filled with lady <laughs> zebras. <Zonkeys. laughs> donkeys. Zonkeys. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the dinner party download for this week. Thanks to Jackson Musker, Brendan Willard, Peter Clowney, and Ellen Gettler. And thanks to you. Till next time, if you like the show, please head to
0: iTunes and write a nice review. It'll just take a second. And if you don't like the show, you might want to ask yourself why you're still listening.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner parties. The band is Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Their self-titled album is out now, and their tour starts this month. The song is Little Blue House. Bonky Appetit. Bonkies.
2: Maybe all the wings
1: to the news was sat down. I could say for a while. Ooh. I'm Rico Galeano. I'm Brendan Francis Nunaman. Hey, guys.
0: Yeah, Jackson? Zonkees.